good morning, Integrity. Thanks so much for uh, jumping in on this quick feed. Uh, we are so disappointed that we couldn't get together today. We were so much looking forward to gathering together and worshiping uh, together. And that last minute audible last night was a, a tough one to make. But uh, because uh, it involves our, our staff here, we were uh, needing to make that decision. And so uh, I didn't want the day to go by, though, without just addressing something that maybe you can kind of chew on uh, throughout the day. I was talking to Pastor Frank, and he reminded me of the importance of always having pasta on Sunday. And uh, likewise, we always want to have a time in the Word on Sunday. And so I just want to bring to you um, just a devotion, that something that's been kind of going over in my mind the last uh, number of, of weeks, even months. And um, I thought maybe you can um, jump in and um, be encouraged by it as well. Uh, you know, in Genesis, as we look in Genesis, we are reminded that after um, sin had entered the world, things have gotten really, really um, bad. And in Genesis chapter 6, uh, we see that darkness had really filled the earth again. And sin was everywhere, and God calls on Noah to begin to build an ark uh, because God is going to destroy the earth and rebuild it through uh, the family of Noah. Now, I'm not contrasting what we're experiencing today with the end of the world, but uh, there's some things in this passage that I thought was pretty interesting that I think we could see a weaving truth um, as we go through the scriptures. And so as we look at the, um, the call for Noah to make the ark, God is very specific with Noah. And uh, we see in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 13, God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Then God says this, Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it with outside, inside and outside with pitch. And then God says, and this is how you shall make it. I love how the designer of all things now gives the plans to Noah on how he is to build the ark. He says, this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. It's width 50 cubits. It's height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark on its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And you know, God, so God's giving Noah the specifics on what this ark is to look like. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to go and visit the ark experience. I believe it's in Kentucky, uh, where uh, uh, Answers in Genesis has created this this ark true to specs. And uh, what a what a great uh, um, time to get away and check that out, and just to see. Uh, and how it answers the questions, how could Noah have possibly put all the different kinds of animals in that ark? And so uh, just as a side note, I really encourage you to go ahead and check that out. But we know what happens here, right? We know that the, the floods come, Noah and his family get into the ark, and the waters come. The scripture says the heavens open up, and for 40 days and 40 nights, it starts to rain on the earth. And, and yet Noah and his family and the animals are tucked safely in this ark. And as the, the rain came down, the, the ark rose above the storm and, and, and really kind of uh, rode out that storm as God presided over it. We see a couple of things in this little, uh, this little um, passage here. We see, number one, that God was in control, right? Even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of how devastating that must have looked like, we recognize the fact that God is in control 
of it all. What a great um, reminder that is for us today to remember that no matter what's going on around us, God does not give away his throne. He is still sovereign over the universe. We see also here that, that God preserved Noah and his family. That despite all of the devastation and the death and all that went on, we recognize that as they obeyed the Lord and got into the ark, God preserved Noah's family. And you know, God will preserve you as well. That no matter what's going on around you, God will keep you, right? Paul said, I'm confident that this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, he will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And then another thing I think is very interesting about the the specs that God gave to Noah in this ark. He says in verse 16, he says, you shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark on its side. So God is telling Noah, when you're building this ark, don't put a window on the sides of the ark, but instead I want you to put a window on the top of the ark, kind of like a skylight. Why would God have Noah put a window on the top of the ark? I think it's very clear. As the world is being destroyed all around him, as the storm is, is, is pounding all around him, God did not want Noah looking out the side of the ark, looking at the storm, but instead God wanted Noah to fix his eyes looking upward at God himself. And so we see really what God is doing here with Noah, and is, is he's reminding Noah that I want your focus to be on me, not what's going on around you, but focused on me. And I think that's really important for us to consider in this day where there is so much unrest, there is so much uncertainty, there's so much political chaos and anger and division and so many different things going on around us. And while we can't turn a blind eye to it, we need to be responsible to do what we can do with it within our means. We also want to be careful that we're not so focused on what's going on around us that we're not looking up at the one who is carrying us, the one who is over the storm. We see some, the same kind of concept in, in, in Numbers 21 as well. The people of God are complaining against Moses. Ultimately, they're complaining against God. And, and God decides that he's going to punish the people of God for their complaining. And so God sends fiery serpents or snakes, poisonous snakes, to the earth. And they were biting the people and people were dying. And so the people of God come to Moses and they're like, Moses, listen, you need to go to God. You need to ask God, take away these poisonous snakes. Our people are dying. And so Moses goes to God and God doesn't take away the poisonous snakes, but instead God gives Moses a plan. He says to, Noah, I want, uh, to Moses, I want you to go and out of bronze, I want you to make a serpent, make a snake, and I want you to put that snake on a pole. And when the people of God are bit by the poisonous snakes, tell them to look at the pole. If they'll look at the pole, they'll be healed. Now, Jesus' words in John chapter 3 remind us of this event where Jesus says, just as Moses put the serpent on the pole, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And so we know this story in Numbers 21 is a foreshadow of the one who is our great healer, the one we look to who brings wholeness and health to our, uh, to our soul. But as we consider this here, this is another time where we recognize, number one, God is in control, right? He's over and, and, and sovereign over all that's going on amongst the people. 
We recognize that God preserves his people. He provides for them a plan of escape. And then what we see him doing is he directs their sights on his plan. Go and tell the people, don't look at the devastation. Don't look at the poisonous snakes. Look at the pole. For in looking at the pole, what you focus on will become your rescue. God is always looking to direct our attention, not on what's going on around us, but what's going on in what he's doing in us. Here's another story. Matthew chapter 14, a very familiar passage of scripture. Jesus tells his disciples to go out into a boat and, and says to him, I'm going to meet you out on the other side. Right? We see this in Matthew chapter 14. Look at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him into the other side, to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening had come, he was there alone, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the winds, and the wind was, con was for the wind was contrary. For in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. So you gotta love this. So Jesus says to his disciples, Listen, go out into the boat, fully knowing a storm was brewing. Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray, and here they are in the middle of the sea, and the winds, the winds are blowing, the waves are turning, and they are scared for their life, and Jesus seeing them goes walking on the water to them, and they freak out because they think it's a ghost. And then Jesus, in verse 20 says, 27 says, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. I just love how Jesus always, the first thing he does is he brings comfort to our fears. We see something very interesting here. Jesus says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you on the water. We've all heard this story, right? And so Peter, got to love Peter's enthusiasm, right? Peter's like, hey, Jesus, if that's really you, I want to do that too. Bring, call me to come out into the water. And so Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the winds were boisterous, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And then they got in the boat and the wind ceased. Very interesting here what we see going on. Again, we see the same pattern, right? God is in control of all things, right? Jesus is the one that sends them out knowingly into a storm, not because he wanted to put their life in danger, but he wanted to teach them that he is the great storm calmer. And so here they are in the storm. Jesus shows up and we recognize that God is in control of all things. We see also here that God preserved them. God protected them. He watched out for them as they, as they cried out to God. Jesus shows up and says, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. But then we see Peter bringing it up a notch. Lord, bid me to come. And Jesus says, come. And Peter does the unthinkable. He steps out of the boat. And at first, you got to give him credit, he begins to walk on the water. What an amazing experience that must have been. But note what the scripture says. It says that when he saw 
the wind and the waves. For we, the picture is clear. He got his eyes off of Jesus for a moment and he began to see the storm. He began to see the waves. He began to see, feel the wind and he got his eyes off of Jesus and onto the storm and he began to sink. He began to sink. And you know what? I thank Jesus that Peter, Jesus just doesn't let Peter drown, right? He doesn't let us fall when we, when we drop the ball. Jesus reaches out, grabs Peter's hand and and, 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 and protects him. I gotta tell you, there's times I feel so much like Peter. There's times where I'll step out of the boat and I feel so strong and I feel so confident. I feel so full of faith and my eyes are on Jesus and everything is going well. But then there are times where I will get my eyes off of Jesus and on the pandemic, on the politics, on the economy, on the people, on the whatever. And what ends up happening is when my eyes get off Jesus, it gets stuck on the storm and it starts to rock my world. Thank God he reaches out for us and he, and he restores us and he brings us back. My question for you though is this, what are you looking at? Whether it's Noah in the ark or, or Moses and the people of God in Numbers or, or the disciples and Peter in Matthew, we all are the same here. We all in our humanity, we tend to get our eyes off of the fact that God is in control, that God preserves his people, and that God wants us to keep our eyes and our focus on him. What are you looking at today? What's consuming your thoughts? What's overwhelming you in the middle of the night? Hey, listen, there's some real decisions we need to make and we need to do the best we can with the things that we know, but we need to be careful that in the midst of those deciding moments, let's not get our eyes off of Jesus. Let's recognize that, you know, and God used the storm as a tool to teach the disciples. God used the fiery serpent, the, the, the bronze serpent, as a tool to teach the people of God. God used the storm to, to, to elevate the ark over the storm so he can preserve his people. And you know what? God will use the things that you're going through as well today as an opportunity to present the fact that he is in control, that he will preserve you, and that he wants you to keep your eyes and focused on him. I'll close it with this. The writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. I love that. See, when you lay something aside, you're not looking at it. You're not engaging in it, right? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here it is, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me tell you, when you're looking at Jesus, you'll never fail. When you're looking at Jesus, you'll be reminded that God is in control of all things, that God will always preserve his people, and God uses the things around us so that we can keep our eyes fixed on him. I pray this is an encouragement to you today. I pray that it's something that you just continue to even wrestle with in your own heart in those moments of unsettledness, to take a moment of pause and ask yourself the question, what am I looking at? What am I focusing on? Am I exchanging my peace for fear. God is in control. 
God will preserve you. Keep looking at him. God bless you.
Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. We're so glad that we were able to connect with you uh, today. Uh, just a reminder, we're super excited. We are beginning our time of prayer and fasting today. We're meeting tomorrow night on Zoom for a time of prayer. We really wanna encourage you to jump in on that. We're gonna send you a link, an invitation to come in and, and join with us. And um, for those who have been a part of this in the past, it's been a real great uh, time for us to connect. Let's not let some of the setbacks around us keep us from doing what we so critically need to be doing right now. And that's praying together, praying for one another and praying with one another. So we look forward to joining with you together on Zoom.